You're listening to The Edge, everything bass fishing, coming to you worldwide from Megawind Kill Guard Studios. What is going on, Bass Nation, Bass Edge Nation, that is, man, excited to be here for the October 1 episode, man. It's, uh, you know, just last episode, we were talking about how, man, you know, bass fishing's been a little bit slow, there wasn't a whole lot of tournaments going on, and holy cow, can a couple weeks make a huge difference, man. It's been, uh, it's been no holds barred, so uh, we got a lot to run down right here on episode 409 of Bass Edge Radio. As always, Bass Edge in partnership with Megaware keel guard obviously providing your boat with keel protection from grinding salt abrasive rocks concrete boat ramps don't be without a keel guard on your boat and be sure to go to keelguard.com after this episode of bass edge radio check out all of their other accessories that you need to get on your boat like the flex step scuff buster skeg guard battery guard just a whole myriad of things that uh, would be great additions to your rig um man let's let's kick it off here we go man it's uh recently we had two bassmaster opens over this uh last couple weeks at the end we had the first watch bar it's super tough but man and that 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 it didn't put out big waves, but it put out consistent fish. So that was great. This Watts Bar in Eastern Tennessee, and uh, then we also had Kyle Patrick taking the W there at Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri. Another fantastic event, man. As I mentioned before, I think most folks were pretty surprised the weights at Watts Bar. Tyler won the event with a bit over forty-one pounds, man. That's just about fourteen pounds per day, a little bit higher than I think most people were expecting. Um, Tyler focused out there on that fall ledge bite with a football jig. Really, that's kind of a late summer bite, really targeting those fish that really haven't made that fall transition yet. But there was a lot of folks in the top 10 that really started to rely on those top water bites and more in that fall movement of bass, which we're going to get into obviously right here on this episode, always trying to bring you the education and we're going to get into fall fishing, of course. Um, as I mentioned, some of the other anglers, uh, we had some grass fishing going on, some bluff fishing going on, uh, shallow, wood. It was really all over the place. So it, it was a great event to watch and uh, really, really interesting. At Lake of the Ozarks in that next Bassmaster Open EQ event, man, it was a brush, docks, and river deal, no doubt. Uh, primary targets for anglers consistently bringing in the better sacks of fish were in those zones. It's, you know, Kyle Patrick, an angler from New York, uh, won the event. He concentrated more on the brush deal, you know, drop shotting. Uh, that was one of his major players. So uh, it's exciting. We're going to actually talk to Kyle later on in this episode, kind of break down that fall win he had there on Lake of the Ozarks and kind of pick his brain on what kind of fall strategies he's looking for over these next couple months as we move into October and November. Um, Kyle is actually currently 
in the top nine also of the uh, Angler of the Year standing in the Bassmaster EQ points. So we're going to talk to Kyle, too, about his overall success in that series and uh, how he's able to bring kind of that New York flavor to all other parts of the country and be successful. A uh, couple of series is the Ozarks. They're finishing up that last event of the Toy Series. So we're going to know those championship qualifiers from all five divisions taking place there at Table Rock that first week of November. Um, man, that Potomac River event that just went down last week, I was able to be a part of that. I actually had a pretty good finish there, I was happy to say. I, I finished up 15th there, but the winner took it all was Christian Greco. Christian from Florida. Man, he has now three wins punching grass. You know, what do you expect from a guy fishing in Florida? Man, he had some great weights for fall fishing, especially on a river system. Um, he had just about 34 pounds of fish, so almost a 17-pound average. So pretty daggum impressive and pretty solid on that Potomac River fishery. Uh, giving you a little bit of breakdown of the way I fished. Man, I, I had two things going on. I had a winding bait deal going on over top of some grass and on the edge of some grass. Then I had a punching bite that I had started to develop. If you notice in the standings, I increased my weight from day one to day two. And that was because I was able to get a limit real early on day two and focus more on that punching bite, which seemed like to be, for whatever reason, just the bigger fish were caught punching grass i see that a lot also down at lake amistad and uh that that's often a fall pattern where you can get some bigger fish that are still buckled into that cover that haven't quite come out to play as you might say yet in that fall feeding mode so uh a tip there for everybody but man that was a great event i had uh 24 and a half pounds for two days so uh i wouldn't say it was pedestrian like i said i finished 15th and was happy to be there so make sure you watch that last event going on today lake of the ozarks that toyota series event that's going to be fun to see how that whole thing wraps up man in today's show we've got a cool showcase segment coming up uh we we've kind of been away from that showcase segment for quite a while but uh, a big texas team event championship the brandon belt show series went down in south texas close to my homestead and i had a friend of mine travis burns and he was part of the winning team he's actually a guide down at choke canyon we're going to talk a little bit about that but he was able to qualify for that championship on his home lake take home a huge prize we're going to get travis on the line here we're going to talk to him see how he put together a fall pattern so it's going to be fun to hear from travis and what's going on there um finally um, I hope everyone enjoyed our last episode, episode 408. That was a September 15 episode with Bassmaster Angler of the Year, Kyle Welcher. Uh, Kyle was a, just a fantastic episode. I encourage you guys, if you haven't seen it, and ladies, to go back, check out that episode. It is a lot of fun. But man, Bass Ed, you can tell in the attire, rolling into the fall, we've got we got some sweatshirts on now instead of some uh, short sleeve shirts. But uh, we are we're rolling into fall. We're still near the shores of the Potomac River down here in Virginia. And, uh, man, this is my birthday. It's a great place to be from. But I'm looking forward to getting back to Texas here in November. Y'all stay tuned. We're going to have the Brandon Belt $100,000 champion 
on the show right after this short break. We'll be right back. See ya. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So choose the protection the pros pick. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. The MegaWare Keel Guard is made tough and made to stick. Install it yourself in less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Insist on the original Keel Guard the pros have picked for 25 years. MegaWare Keel Guard. A rush of tournament adrenaline. Nitro, the choice of champion. Where performance meets play. Nitro, a big water beast. A pure vision machine. Nitro, release the champion within. All right, here we go. Welcome back to Bass Edge Radio. All set for our showcase segment. Man, here he is. He's on the screen. The big Texas Trail Brandon Belt Show Series champion, Travis Burns. Welcome to Bass Edge Radio, my friend. Hey, man. Thanks, Kurt. Appreciate it. Um, Look forward to uh, talking a little bit about it. Heck yeah, man. We're going to dive into uh, your win there on Choke Canyon Lake. Uh, talk fall fishing. We're going to talk about your patterns that you utilize, some patterns that you're going to be looking for here over the next several weeks to be successful out there in the fall world. But man, I got to say, if listeners have not seen this, go to brandonbeltfishing.com. This is a Texas fishing series it's a huge series uh travis has been involved with it the past year um and many anglers in the state of texas i think the the tournament series has been around for about two or three years but uh man they big payouts bass cat is affiliated with this tournament trail big big deal going on in the state of texas travis this set up really well for you. You qualified for the championship on your home lake there in Choke Canyon. Tough time of year for a tournament. Early fall, really late summer. Um, yeah, man, you know, it was, a, it was a cool tournament series. And, man, more people need to fish this as far as the team tournaments go. Um, my partner, Kenny, Kenny Witek, which – you know, without him, it, it, it wouldn't have happened. Um, he, he also guides there at Choke as well. And gosh, dog, man, we put a absolute ton of time on that water to uh, try to win that championship. And, uh, you know, it was one of them deals that, you know, home lake deal can, can, can get you or it can be good for you or it can definitely right. bite you in the butt. But, man, we just we, we had quite a few different patterns that we knew we were going to be able to run because we had spent so much time on the lake and of course guiding, but I really did not think that this tournament was going to be one throwing top water, three solid days. Every fish we caught except for one giant key fish on the last day uh, came off top water. It was just a grass pattern, ran top water community, ran a lot of community holes, but we know these community holes just, they just replenish, you know, they just, just the fish, just you catch one out of it and come back. And then there's more there. There's more there. 
So we ran around the lake like madmen, just throwing throwing spooks around, six cents catwalk to um, um, Strike King Sexy Dog and uh, put our head down and we grounded out. It, was, it wasn't as, as glorious as what it looked, I can promise you that. <laughs> About that real quick, you know, you see that transition, you know, start uh, September in a lot of parts of the country. But when you start to see that transition in August, it starts to roll through to down south. What is it that you're looking for that's going to put this kind of topwater pattern together? What led you to start throwing a topwater? Did you see schooling fish? Was it bait, you know, there on your on your graphs? Or, or what kind of led you to this pattern that was so well, successful? You know, Kurt, you know, as well as I know, choke has been on a decline as far as water level goes. And okay, we, we, I really, I really thought this, I really thought we were going to win this tournament offshore. And, uh, man, we were before cutoff date. I, I just, I just went into the grass. What little bit was left. I went into the grass and, uh, just tons and tons of bait in there. And I just, I started just throwing our top water around and just catching giants and uh knew that was going to be a player um you know there there's bait everywhere right now there's bait all the way out to 21 foot and there's bait all the way up to a foot but i don't know why but these fish have just made a giant push to the bank it was almost like fall set in but it it i can't explain it it to me to the life of me i can't understand why we didn't go offshore and able to crush those 25 to 35 pound bags like we normally do at choke but it just didn't happen and then about halfway through the first day we had two little line burners in the in the live well we put top waters in our hand we went and ran everything we knew and next thing you know we got almost 28 pounds in the boat and uh uh i was able to just just make that decision that it wasn't going to happen offshore and I had to do something, but I, I had this topwater deal in the back of my pocket the whole time. But I think after the second day, people seen what we were doing and cause I mean, you can't hide nothing at choke anymore because sure. it's so sure. low. And, and I think a lot of people started doing that same thing we were doing. But what I think was our key was, it was just our cadence was like, it was a, you know, a twitch, twitch, pause and you could pause for five seconds two seconds to 10 seconds i mean if you did a steady retrieve all the way back to the boat you were not getting bit and if you were getting bit you're you're losing or missing most of them but we just figured that little niche out man and we were able to run with that thing for three solid days wow Wow, man that's amazing what what kind what was it just the difficulty of not being able to catch the offshore fish the first part of the tournament that that you know kind of threw you into this, you know, new mode of this top water pattern that you, you, you kind of revealed on that last day of practice? Well, yeah, you know, it was, it was, it was funny. I, I just, I had, you know, from about the end of May to June and July, man, that offshore bite was just rocking. I mean, right. just, you know, it, it wasn't a deal where you pull up like it has been in the past where you're going to can catch 25 to 35 pounds you know you pick a giant up here and there and a little one and all of a sudden you catch a a 10 pounder but man i they were there and they were set up where we know they live we just man we just could not get 
get them to bite. And everybody was kind of complaining that offshore bite was because these guys are so good, man. These yeah. these guys from East Texas, you know, we, they're so stinking good. And they're going to find everything. And everybody was just saying, my God, we cannot get one caught offshore. Um, and I'm sure what, there were a few. What do you think offshore, makes but... those those areas that you find? Obviously, you have a lot of intimate knowledge of Choke Canyon. What do you think makes those areas that you find that tend to be productive over and over again? And, and they just become stops along the way. Um, what, what, do you, what, what usually do you see that makes something like an area like that so good? God, that's hard to, you know, that that's hard to say. It just why they're those main lake points with grass. If it's got a hard spot, a little rock on it, some hardwood, but I, I just I can't I can't explain it. You know, it's just community holes or community holes. And right. We we had that knowledge of knowing what community holes on that lake hold better fish sure and that's what we concentrated on running we probably rotated we probably rotated all the stuff up around the main lake we hit it anywhere from from two to four times a day i mean we had like 10 15 stops and it was just rotated 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 back and forth i mean we were running around like madman it was (laughs) (laughs) it was great it was fun but stressful as well because you know, of course, you know, the old rule of thumb, you know, throwing that top water out there, you can put the best hooks money can buy on. And, right. you know, the second day, you know, we weigh in almost 16 pounds and disappointing as heck. We lose a seven pounder in the net on, hmm. you know, on camera, comes off in the net, tail walks right out of the net, hook pulls. You know, we really second day, we should have weighed in 23, 24. And then the last day we weighed in 12 pounds with only four fish. And we should have weighed in 25. We lost right, right. so many dang fish on top water, but we did, could not. Did you get learn anything, anything through that process of, of lost fish of something, you know, maybe you could have altered in the, in the future, maybe a lighter rod, different line, um, you know, smaller bait, I go back, you know? Yeah. You know, I go back and forth. I, I did all that. I mean, I, I'd, I'd rotate a, a bigger type walking bait to, to a pop par to a smaller walking bait, smaller right. hooks. I, I just, for the life of me, could not figure just, out. Sometimes they get off. Not, <laughs> we couldn't keep them pinned. It was the most frustrating. Right, right. And we thought we gave it away the last day, to be honest with you, you know, because we had them two boys from, from Lake Fork um, that are just hammers and they got on some scoping fish. And uh, we thought if anybody's going to catch us, because we had a 12 pound lead going in. We thought if anybody was going to catch us, them two boys are going to catch us because they very well could have wrecked it. They needed to catch, I think, a 27 or 29-pound bag. They very well could have got could have done it because we seen where they were at, and they were on a spot where just giants live. And we, just, we thought we gave it away, man. We really did. We thought, oh, my God, we just gave away $100-plus-thousand-dollars. And come to find out, we, you know, we got lucky enough and, and held on to the lead by six pounds and won it. Yeah. Yeah. It went, it went great. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the first day carried a lot, but uh, you had to keep catching some throughout the event, man. What do you think, you know, for anglers, as as we kind of, kind of roll through this thing, you know, fall fishing, South Texas, grass fishing Lake, what do you think anglers need to concentrate on these next several weeks? You know, we're here October one, 
going into mid-October, you're going to start to see those water temperatures cool down. What do you think is going to help anglers be successful over these next two or three weeks to catch fish in an environment like that? Man, there's definitely, even though we're still hot here, you know, these fish know things are happening. They know, you know, the, the days are getting a little bit shorter, um, running those back of pockets, looking for good grass. In my deal, the key to choke, in my opinion, is finding that good grass with clear water. Okay. Grass everywhere on the lake, but, you know, you, you can still catch them up in that muddy type stuff up the river. But, man, go to the back of these pockets and uh, just start running that grass. Look for bait. It, they're moving back. Um, and that's I, I think it's going on pretty much everywhere. I mean, kind of sounding like these fish are already starting to make a little transition, even though we haven't really cooled off a whole lot. But sure. um, that's what I think people need to do is just cover, cover, cover some water, man, and downsize. I, I think downsizing is key right now because the bait they're feeding on in the grass is tiny, little bitty tiny um, threadfin shad and, and little bluegill and things like that. But, you know, still offshore, there's giant gizzards out there that they're feeding on as well. But I would definitely run that grass pattern and run the back of them pockets and just look for bait. Right. So so maybe when you talk about downsize, you're talking about, you know, instead of a, you know, a five or six inch swim bait, maybe a, a two or three or four. Two and inch a half, bait three or, inch. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Just downsize your bait a little bit, match the hatch a little bit for sure. And I, I think you'll be fine. For me, I generally find this time of year where I get, you know, parallel with fish a lot. What I mean by that is, is I'm fishing instead of fishing vertical type stuff, meaning like jigs, worms, something that's going Agreed, down, yeah. drop shots, things like that. I really start think the fish get that shad buzz and, and really they, they get doubt. one, one train focus. What are some of those baits that you feel like are, are the right size that anglers could put on their deck and have some success with over the next couple of weeks? Man, those little, those little small swim baits, um, you know, with a little, whether it's a little flashy swimmer with a, you know, I'm a big six inch guy since I'm backed okay. by them. They're smaller swim baits at divine swim bait. Um, Hey, I'm a big spinnerbait guy, you know, old school spinnerbait, downsizing your spinnerbaits, downsizing the blades, little bitty small trailer on the back, small walking baits, um, you know, go, go to popping bait, pop bar, pop bar was a key, key player for us as well. Right. Um, you know, small swim jigs and they're, they're in that mood to chase right now. I mean, they're, they're moving up and they're ready to feed up for the winter and they're definitely in that mood to chase. So I would say stay with those those moving baits and uh downsizing try to match the hatch as much as you can okay that's great tips last question you know for tournament anglers this time of year you know downsizing is a great way to get a limit and you can catch big fish on downsized baits but without a doubt without there a doubt. is a lot of pedestrian limits that come in the fall and a lot of time anglers are just wondering where's that big bite what can an angler do in the fall once they secure a you know a teener limit to try to get that four five six seven pound bite that they need to put them over the top in a tournament situation man i'm i'm i kind of go back and forth on that it's almost like just do you weed through those fish and keep trying to catch those smaller fish with smaller baits but i do enjoy putting on a bigger bait looking for that bigger bite whether it's a, a you know it's a six inch magnum catwalk or it's a uh you know a, a big magnum type fluke or um something big um 
bigger spinner bait with bigger blades on it. And then, and then don't be afraid to throw the old glide bait a little bit around there as well. Go. I mean, they will definitely hammer that. And matter of fact, one of our, our key fish, the only fish we put in the live well, the last day my partner Kenny, um, he's a glide bait master, man. And I just let him, I sat back and let him do his work. And that's the only fish we really caught offshore. And he caught one almost seven pounds to seal the deal for us on a, I think he was throwing a Chad Chad and uh, just wrecked it. And I knew it was going to happen. I told the cameraman, I said, hey, start rolling because there's seven <laughs> giants, seven giants in this tree. Get ready. And as soon that as I so said cool. that, man, the, it was so cool. The cameraman got it all on. It, it's going to be it's going to make for some good TV. I think that's going to come out. Um, they sent me a message the other day. I think that's going to come out here in another month or so okay. on the Pursuit channel or something Very like cool. that. But. No, I couldn't have done it without my partner, Kenny. There's no doubt about it, man. We spent so much time on that lake. Big congratulations, Travis, to you and Kenny, of course. Uh, quick question. So what was the total take, and what did you buy yet with the money you won? I mean, you all won a ton of money. You won 100000 yeah. plus a, a boat. Is that right? No, we didn't. The boat was a giveaway. The boat oh, the was a giveaway. A giveaway. Okay. We, yeah, and they drew numbers on that, and we were – boat 47 that qualified and then when they drew the numbers they they the guy went boat number 45 and I was like, oh my god that would have been but, awesome but no, you got a hundred thousand so dollars for the win so you split it 50 yep. 50 what, what are you gonna go buy 50, with 50 grand man i haven't bought anything and actually i think once it's said and done once we get all of our money back everything i think we're going to be closer to 120 with oh, everything cool. with bonus money ba sure. uh, bass cat money yamaha all that right mercury all that type of stuff but um Man, I haven't, dude. I just stuck it in the bank and just gonna put it in a, you know, put it in a little CD, and I haven't done anything with it, man. Just, just, just stashing it away. Well, that is very cool. Well, Travis, I appreciate you being with us here on Bass Edge Radio, spreading the news about the BrandonBeltFishing.com tournament trail. One they half the fish. of the championship team, right here, Travis Burns and his buddy Kenny. So, uh, did you, you you had something else to add there, Travis? No, I was just going to tell people this is the first year for the team show series. And, man, the payouts that he's doing is just unbelievable. And it, it, it's guaranteed payouts. I mean, yeah. it's it's amazing what, what Brandon's done. And, and um, he's, he's putting his heart and soul into this. And uh, it's a great trail, man. If you're a high-end team tournament fisherman, even if you're not, man, the, the payout, you got to fish against hammers. There's no yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. But let me tell you what. The payouts are just, just amazing. Very Even cool. the qualifiers pay fifty grand to win a qualifier. It's pretty, Sound, pretty incredible. Sounds like a fun team trail to be involved with, no doubt. There in the state of Texas, a lot of those tournaments in East Texas uh, for twenty twenty four. I checked out the schedule. Y'all can check it out too at BrandonBeltFishing.com. Travis, dude, thank you so much. Congratulations. Yes, on the big win we're going to take a short break but got to give a shout out to bass pro shops as always reminding everyone we all live downstream y'all stay tuned we're going to be back with our feature angler spotlight kyle patrick right after this plenty of sunshine come on man let's roll what the to catch the fish, you need to be one with the fish. With PowerPole shallow water anchors, you'll get the ultimate in precision, power, and control so you can catch more fish. No face paint or phony fins necessary.
Excessive shock and vibration are two leading causes for premature battery failure. Prolong the life of your batteries with the new MegaWare Battery Guard. The Battery Guard sits under your battery and absorbs excessive vibration and bounce, reducing G-Shock by up to 80%. Great for boats or anywhere shock and vibration can damage a battery. The Battery Guard can easily be trimmed to fit virtually any custom shape or battery size. Save money by protecting your batteries. Spend more time on the water and less on maintenance. Find yours at MegaWare.com. Yo, 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 what's up, Bass Edge Nation? We are back, and as promised, he's on the screen right now. Your Bassmaster opens Lake of the Ozarks champion, Kyle Patrick. What is up, dude? Congratulations on the big W. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's uh, pretty crazy, you know. Um, Never thought that it would be there. Never thought. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like I, I talked about it a lot. Like it's hard to, you know, when I go out, I'm like, I'm going to win, but it, you know, you never, you go with the intent of winning, but you never really think it's going to happen right, right. N- until it does. And now I want another one. Like, I'm like, I want to win the Harris chain. I want to go back. Like I think only one guy's ever gone back to back in opens and, you know, it seems outlandish, but once I, once I, got it done i'm like that's what it takes and like you know you kind of know how to do it yeah yeah that's it's got to be a huge well i don't want to say relief just you know a huge achievement obviously but at the same time you're like man okay i thought i could do this when i started fishing the opens in 2021 but you're not sure till you get there and you've had a lot of success recently cashed a lot of checks been right around that area you need to be for things to go right and they did right there on lake of the ozarks so uh very cool dude congratulations again um i know you Thank had a you, good yeah. event we're gonna absolutely we're gonna talk a little bit about you know how this kind of came together for you you know concentrating on on this fall transition you know kind of this summer to fall you had a good event at uh stop number seven on the Bassmaster Opens EQ series at Watts Bar. Uh, You cashed a solid check um, on a fishery that wasn't easy, but had really gotten you kind of in tune to this fall thing that happens, right? This this fall thing that happens. Were there any keys that you picked up at Watts Bar? Because these were back-to-back events for, for listeners that don't know. They went straight from Watts Bar to Lake of the Ozarks, and um, was there any keys, Kyle, that you were able to pick up through that fishing time at Watts Bar that you were able to kind of set into motion as soon as you started practicing there at Lake of the Ozarks? Yeah, I mean, you know, Watts Bar, it's, it's, a, it's a lake that's a grind. Like that lake, you don't go out there and expect to catch, unless you're Tyler Williams, you don't go out there <laughs> and, expect to, and expect to catch like, you know, 20 keepers. The size limit you know, it's 15 inch minimum right. and 18 on smallmouth. So like the tournament, I knew it was going to be like a tough deal. Right. Um, but no, I mean, I just focused on grass in, you know, r- main lake grass was kind of the deal there, like main lake to kind of just leading back into the pockets. There's a lot of pockets on that lake. If you could find grass, like main lake kind of close to those pockets. So like when the pocket would, you know, it, 
the mouth Neck of the pocket right here. Those, those corners there, they had some nice grass around them. If you could find grass, and then the sneakier grass would be like, you know, kind of a little bit further down, like sort of near the, the mouth of the creeks, but, you know, not like connected to it. So, you know, it'd be a little harder to find. You could find that stuff. There was quality keepers in that grass. Um, and, you know, obviously, I don't, we, we were in fall, but it was still hot. It was very hot. We really didn't get that many cold nights. Um, right. But, you know, it sort of shows how that, how these fish are transitioning from sort of main lake, summertime deal, um, out on the ledge um, to, you know, starting to spread out, sort of move like towards the back of the pockets, get to where the bait is, um, you know, and, you know, that being said, you know, it sort of transitioned well into Ozarks um, because, you know, you still, it was sort of the same deal. Like they were sort of at the mouth. I, I felt like the mouth of, I mean, Lake of the Ozarks has a million different coves, docks, like, but there's yeah, a lot of yeah. little like, you know, pull like coves and like, you know, inlets. Right. And so, you know, I spread myself out a lot in practice, just trying to see all the water and you know day one i was able to catch that almost 20 pound bag sort of main lake right or main you know that i went up towards the river so like main river lake whatever you want to call it um but there were some smaller pockets right so i think the the big ones were staging you know getting ready to move up shallow but they were still kind of on that drop there it was pretty significant drop off under these docks that i was catching them on um and then you sort of saw it right so day two you know and it was getting colder all week now it's there's kind of a heat you know it's pretty hot down there for this toyota series but i got colder and i went up to that same spot on day two and nowhere to be found those fish they were gone so you know i had probably two fish at noon and i ran to the middle section of a pocket right that i had found some brush piles in and there was one little hard spot and I mean, these fish were stacked up in it. I caught like 15, my 15 and a half pound bag on day two. I caught it all on one spot. And there was tons of bait back there, not all the way in the back of a pocket, but sort of halfway. They were, you you could almost see how they were moving, like starting to get up into the backs of the pockets, chasing that bait. Um, so, let, you know, it, it's a good sort of wasp bar was sort of, I was catching them outside the pockets, right? And then like right on the leading edge. And I was still doing the same thing on day one, but then day two, I had to, you know, get further back into some of the really good pockets that I found in practice to sort of salvage that day two day. And then day three was just, you know, junk fishing around, fishing new water, uh, areas that I had seen, but really hadn't fished, but just figured they'd be, there'd be big ones there. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say this, Kurt, I don't think, I don't think I caught a big big one like one over four in the back of any pocket on any of the days all my biggest bass like the four plus i caught a five six on on first day they were all in brush piles or um some piece of structure sort of like on main lake and i think that's because those fish are a little bit later to the party of of moving back and chasing the bait back of the coves but the bait was there like they were getting ready to do it right right you see that do you, do you feel like you know from a strategy standpoint that that was something you just leaned on because you saw better fish in that zone in practice or was that just where you were getting the most bites in general 
or was it what, that you were stuff? Yes. Um, that's where the better bites, I, I was getting better bites main lake back of the pockets. I could get bit by a ton of fish, like 12 to 13 inches. And it was 15 inch at Lake of the Ozarks as well. Right. So, you know, it was the same size limit as Watts bar. And, um, I knew I could get a lot of bites. I thought I could catch 10, 12 pounds potentially, but you got to weed through a lot of fish to get that. I thought I needed probably 20 bites, 25 bites to catch five, right, right. 15 inches. That's um, a lot. That's a lot yeah, of bites. <laughs> so, right. It's a lot of bites on any fishery with that many guys out there. I mean, we had, you know, we had Toyota series guys practicing. We had that BFL super tournament during our practice. We had, sure. yeah, I mean, it was that, and that boat traffic, it was just, a, it was crazy there. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I really didn't have a good practice, but I got good bites on main lake docks, a little bit of deeper water not all the way in the back of the coast. So I just kind of took that pattern. And on day one, I fished new water. But I, I, it was in the same general region. But I knew that that's where they were. Um, you know, main lake, the big ones were main lake. Because I only caught six fish on the first day. But every one of them was a three and a half or better big, you know. Well, that's the key deal, man, for sure. That's how you win bass tournaments. Um, it really you know, is. <laughs> What is it? What is it that you're looking for? That you know, when you left Watts Bar and launched the boat at Lake of the Ozarks, did it feel similar? Did it feel like oh. the fish were kind of in a similar situation? Oh, yeah, no, it felt like a similar situation. The lakes feel completely different. Yeah, Ozark, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Like o Ozarks is overwhelming, so it felt similar. I thought that you know they would be a little bit deeper than Watts Bar because Ozarks is. is it just sets up that way, especially down by the dam, clearer water. Watts bar wasn't very clear unless you got in the back of the grass. I saw the tail end of um, the show you had prior and, and he's right. Like the clear grass was the deal. But other than that, Watts bar was pretty dirty. So I figured yeah. people were going to catch some fish deep um, just because, you know, it, it's easier for them to set up and it's easier for you to catch them in that clearer water. Um, but no, I mean, I was, I felt like there would be some doing the same thing, but I kind of approached it. Fall is one of those weird times where you can kind of pick your poison, right? Like yeah, yeah. You, you, if someone, if you dedicate time to finding a bite um, that you want to be on in the fall, majority of the time you can have some success doing it, whether that's offshore, pitching docks, wood, structure offshore, like, you know, um, standing timber, whatever it may be. Sure. They're kind of spread out, right? Um and, you know, I wanted to keep a jig in my hand and the jig's just such a versatile bait. Like you can pretty much, I, I don't know if, if they watched me on FS1, I was reeling it in different ways. I was doing all kinds of stuff with it to get them to bite. But yeah, I think like, I felt like Ozarks kind of lent to more, um, you could do kind of a lot of things there and, and have success. Like I truly didn't think it, one guy was going to win it doing one thing, you know? Yeah. When you when you launch your boat in the fall, Kyle, what what are you looking for that's going to trigger you to lead you a direction? Like, what what is it? Water temperature? Is it is it you know what you're seeing on on your graphs? You know your live scope where the bait's located. What what are some of the things that really make you trigger to start your uh, strategy of process to break down the lake? Yeah, good question. I. I look for, if I can find 
areas that have more elongated flat areas, right? Like not too much of a drop off. Like when I launched at Ozarks, the, the creek we went out of PB2, I forget the name of the creek. Um, it's that bigger arm with less docks. That creek had a lot more, um, it had a lot more flat contours, right? So it, it's an easy feeding area out there. And, you know, there's a lot of different points, a lot of different coves. I felt like there was a lot of structure, a lot of brush piles. So I look for that like flatter contour lines because a lot of times there's a ton of structure out there for them to be able to just hang out on, feed on. And then most of the time, if there's a lot more like, you know, um, like points and like flatter points, then there's going to be coves that they can push that bait back into and sort of get you know, feed, feed really. So that's one thing I definitely look at the structure is the biggest thing, right? Like, and the reason I say like a flatter point or like more, cause it's just different, right? Like, I feel like I can get out there, graph it. Um, and a lot of guys look for it, but like, I feel like I can sort of pick an area of the, if I choose an area of the lake that's flat, I feel like I can break it down and f- see what's going on quicker. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I can fish in 30, I can fish in 15, I can fish in 10, I can fish in right. one and sort of gauge what's happening. And then I go from there rather yeah, than, point. you know what I mean? Rather than yeah. like pushing up on the bank and then, Oh, boom, you're out in 60 foot of water. If you take a cast right, right. out to the left, like they're not going to be anywhere in between or you no. won't be able to see them. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. That's a, that's a great tip, man. It kind of gives you a, a lot more diversity in uh, areas and depth zones and potential shallow versus deep cover. And right. like you mentioned, even structure, you know, the drop off of the point where it goes down. Man, that's a, I, I've never heard somebody break it down like that because really it wasn't for you water temperature. It wasn't, you know bait popping and and you would see those things obviously but the first thing you're going to key on is looking at as much style of water in a small area is essentially what you said that's right that's that's pretty freaking profound i think that's that's a great tip man um what type of cover are you trying to establish that you feel like is you know, highest percentage in a seasonal behavior pattern, because we're really looking at, I feel like three seasonal behavior patterns that you're going to find here. Like you did at Lake of the Ozarks and Watts bar in mid September. Then Mm -hmm. once you get into October, you kind of get that early fall. And then man, when it really starts to cool down uh, for me, I start looking at that water temperature starts creeping into them low sixties and high Mm -hmm. fifties. Man, it seems like that just makes fish bite everywhere because they're in that fall, fall feed mode before it gets cold. So when you're looking at those different seasonal patterns, do you think there's a specific, specific type of cover that they get on better or worse through that process? That's a good question. I, I don't really think so. Again, I think it's about the air. That is when I really think the area of the lake is key. Like, okay. like I try in that situation to cover as much water as I can to sort of figure out or, you know, research Google Earth, like all the things you have, I, we have as anglers at our fingertips, like yeah. figure out where that the pop, the, you know, strongest, largest population of fish is. Right. Because I don't think it matters too much as long as you're in the right zone or area. I mean, 
I have just as much confidence in the fall pitching a dock as I do, you know, live scope in a brush pile. Right. I mean, it's really, it's, it's about the area. Like I remember at Hartwell last year, I didn't, I had a 41st or 42nd. I didn't cut a check, but it was still a good finish. Yeah. I basically stayed in a 250 yard, maybe 300 yard stretch the whole tournament, aside from running up a river to check to see if I'd get some big largemouth. I right. stayed in one area and man, they were fish everywhere absolutely everywhere and a lot of them weren't even on structure they were just yeah. roaming in the sand and uh, you know from a foot out to 15 caught a bunch of good ones on live scope couple i caught on a pop bar that i remember david gaston i he top 10 there on a on a pop bar that that tournament at hartwell um so like i said in the fall you can kind of pick your poison but i think the area of the lake is super key Okay. Um, or one section that you can kind of, like I said, zone in on, but you for know, listen, for listeners, break that down. You say an area of Lake, you know, I, I tend to break an area of Lake into three sections, right? You got river right. mid down. Are you kind of the same process? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And that's a good, and I guess, yeah, that was pretty general what I was saying. Like, so say you have a, a lake that's, you know, river mid down, right? right. So maybe you check the river a day. Um, you check down the day and then you check mid and you sort of in based on what you've sort of figured out on those three days. Um, and this is assuming there's five days of practice. Yeah, Other yeah, yeah. times you'd have to, um, you know, do it, it. You have to change your whole game plan. But, <laughs> right. um, but uh, you can and that's based off history, Google Earth, all that stuff. But um, you can then hone in sections within that section like because you've already had three days of practice say the river that shallow bite was on fire and then you also find a really good shallow bite mid lake well then you can say okay let's work on 10 foot or less and try to find brush piles in 10 foot or less or wood like because in the fall you can a lot of times figure out what they're on as far as cover goes pretty quickly right. like you can flip 25 laydowns. If you get three bites, you're going to look for more laydowns, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and if you fish 10 brush piles and you don't get a bite, you're not you're not going to fish brush piles necessarily. So I think in the fall it's it's totally hit or miss. Like I think day to day they can sit on different stuff. And that's what was the key with Ozarks. Like I think people in that tournament got really set on having a really good Clyde bite or um you know, uh, a specific type of structure. Whereas I just found three good zones and I just fished. And then mm -hmm. during the day, I kind of let them tell me what they were doing. And that feels weird. And I felt really uncomfortable with it, but it, I mean, it works. You won. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you won. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let, let's break down some docks. Bro. I know that there's a lot of anglers out there. You talked about deep docks there, there like the Ozarks and, and, uh, having su some success there. Um, you know, a lot of people, uh, look at a dock lake and, and just, yeah. you know, they see the same thing visually every time they look at a dock. What are some of the things that you visually look at that maybe some other people aren't seeing? Number one, we already heard you say depth, you know, can be very important. Big deal. Yeah. What what are some other tidbits on dock fishing that we can help folks catch some more fish that you feel like will will dial them into getting some more bites in that type of cover? 
Totally. So yeah, that's a really good question. I've got a really good answer uh, because I fish a lot of docks. Now, not a lot of docks like the Ozarks. That's something special, that place. Like, dude, if anyone's listening, do yourself a favor, go on a Google Earth, type in <laughs> Lake of the Ozarks, and go tell me which dock you'd start on, <laughs> okay? There's yeah. a million docks oh my in, gosh. It's a million. In, in 10 million feet. There's a dock every 10 feet in the entire lake, right? Oh, my God, it's incredible. Um, But, yeah, no, so first things first is the – the dock doesn't matter as much. Like you said, you have shallower docks, you have deeper docks. That's one. Two is what's around the docks, right? Like brush piles, um, the concrete cylinders where the cables are attached to that come down off the docks. Um, you know, what depth of water are those in, right? Like if you, if you, if 15 foot seemed to be like a really good number, uh, this past week, like, uh, if I saw cables coming down, because those fish at Ozarks were suspended on the cables, even in like 60 foot of water, um, they would suspend on the cables and chase bait as it came by. Um, you know, so what's around the dock is really crucial. Um, you know, what's behind the dock? Like a lot of people don't take the time to zigzag and go, because these docks come out really far. Right. So getting in behind the docks and, oh, there's like a, you know, a black, um, you know, a, a, a black sort of like floater, floater back there. Right, right. and that the sun heats that up. And when it gets really cold, they can, you know, they suspend up under it. Like there's all, there's so many little things that you have to look for. And sort of the way I go about it a lot of the times is I'll idle with my live scope down. So I'll be sitting and my trolling motor will be down in the water. And I point my trolling motor at the docks as you can't even see the brush on your side imaging because there's so much stuff down there. Right. And I just, idle and look at my live scope and it's just pointing and i oh there's brush there's brush look at that cable so and then once you do sort of figure out you know i idle for a good chunk of time fish some docks on points fish some docks in max of coves fish some docks halfway back in the cove fish some just you know shallow docks deep docks all and stay on one stretch though right so don't like spread yourself too thin if they if you fish a whole bunch of different docks and sort of like really fish them though. Like it's not one of those easy deals where you can just flip in bounce, bounce, bite, right? You got to play with your jig or whatever you're flipping drop shot could be anything and sort of figure out how they want it. Um, like on day one, they literally would eat it before it hit the bottom. Mm -hmm. And day two, I couldn't even buy a bite like that. I had to swim it back. So like it, there's all types of things, but, I mean, I guess that's long-winded way of no, saying. No, no, that's great. That's a lot of great points, man. There's a uh, there's so many things there that that an angler can can look back on and rewind that and 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 make a checklist because it, those yeah. are all things that make a huge difference. Docks, yeah. docks to me are the greatest cover for bass on a, on a lake. At the same time, they're some of the most difficult for an angler to break down. Totally. Um, not only not only skill wise, you know, being able to get it back into some of these areas, yep. but also dissecting. Okay, was it just this pocket? Was it yeah. lake? You know, there's yeah. so many different variables, just like you went through. So, right. so those are all great checklists for guys to look through. 
How about Bates? You know, we've talked a lot about style of cover, um, your success there on Lake of the Ozarks. You talked about a jig and, and uh, you know, doing some some uh, erratic action to get some of the fish to react and bite. You talked about a drop shot, of course. But uh, in fall fishing, if you had five baits, what would they be and where would you throw them first? Okay, that's a good question. Well, in the fall, I first things first, I would have a chatterbait because I can cover a lot of water and I want to I can see a lot of fish with it depending on the water clarity. Um, I think another phenomenal is, is a top. You have to have a top water, um, you know, because the nice thing about a top water like a buzzbait or a plopper, you can easily take the hooks off and see the strikes. So you can be like, okay, I got bit here, I got bit there, I got bit there. Um, and you can kind of like visualize almost how big that fish is. Sometimes that can be hard, but I think covering water in the fall is a big deal. So like, you know, a, a buzz bait, a top water, a chatter bait. Um, one thing I don't think I'll ever not have on the deck of my boat is a drop shot. And I use the missile baits, magic worm. That thing is deadly like that. I, and I'm dead serious, dude. I've, I've in the past. So all my fish I caught at Toledo Bend, 13th place finish was on that. Every fish I caught at Bugs Island was on that. Every fish I caught um, uh, in the, what was the last one? Um, Watts. Watts. No, no, before, that was St. Lawrence, before St. Lawrence. Oh, Oklahoma. Um, oh, Lake, Lake yeah, Ufala. Ufala. Every, every fish I weighed was on it. So a drop shot, I just think because, you know, sometimes the big ones can be tricky to get to bite and yeah. i think being able to shake a worm like a longer drop shot in a in, like, and present it on live scope live scope's the x factor here like sure, having sure. that's a huge deal um it is crucial so uh buzz bait top water like a chatter bait so a submerged bait that you can kind of burn water with yep, yep. um uh the drop shot and then the jig a jig is a jig's year round for me, but um, that that bait is incredible because you can throw a quarter ounce swim jig. You can throw you don't even need to throw a swim jig. You can throw a quarter ounce jig, three eighths, half, three quarters, and and it can cover absolutely all the water you need to cover with. If I could only have one bait all year round, it would be a jig. Um, yeah, I, I just, I love the jig so much. There's so many ways you can work it. You can burn it back and they'll, you know, it's similar to a chatterbait. Um, yep. it doesn't throw off as much vibration, obviously, but it still has the same like covering water effect and, sure. um, um, same profile. So yeah, the jig's just crucial. That's four. And then I think for the fifth, it would have to be, um, Hmm probably some sort of you know like crankbait or spinnerbait something that really does a good job maybe a swim bait of imitating a bait fish but again a moving bait right. i think and, and a lot of the times kurt i'll use a lot of moving baits in practice when i'm trying to find water that's a huge mm -hmm. deal for me like i'm not necessarily saying i'm going to win the tournament on a spinnerbait a chatterbait a, a buzzbait but i'm going to find really good areas on it you know yeah um yeah. Because you can get if you get five bites in a cove, it's safe to assume that there's some fish back there, whether they're there's big a lot or not. More bites, yeah, 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 yeah. Whether they're big or not, you can figure that out. You know, when you come back through the next day and check all the areas, you, you've 
say you burn through 10 areas with a top water and you have 10 areas you want to go check, you can be more efficient going back through only hitting those areas with a jig or something that you want to slow down with and yeah. see what the potential is. Great tip. Great tip. All right, man. Um, man, this has been such a great interview breaking down this fall fishing, but I want to talk a little bit about your uh, success in the opens. Um, you're a New Yorker. And yeah. uh, so, so, uh, you know, how has the adjustment been? You st- you went full force into this in 2001. Um, you know, that was kind of the year you went, I'm fishing it all. And, and you fished it all in, in 21. You fished it all in 22. And, and now you, you fished it all in 23. You got one event left. And uh, what has it been that has given you the consistency of success, especially over these last like 18 months that, that uh, is the secret sauce to your success. Yeah. Um, I know it's a hot topic right now. I don't know if you watched Trey casts um, that, that podcast I was on with Randy Blockhead. I know live scope's a hot topic, but sure. Sure. Live scope and learning to be better with your electronics is something that is crucial all times of the year. Right. Yep. Like yep. in 2021, that was the first year I even, I, I, I had a mentor, Paul Pagnato. He introduced me to Gerald Swindle and John Cruz, a bunch of Chad Morgan Taylor, a ton of the, you know, top guys that know the sport, like yeah. the industry and that are very successful in the sport of bass fishing. And that was the first year that I even really started to begin to get dialed with my electronics, learning from these guys. I marshaled all the elite series events and I was fortunate to have um, my, my mentor, you know, pay for it because that was impossible at the time yeah, for me. Yeah, that's um, awesome. And that I just really learned that wow, like you you have to be good with your electronics because you're just not going to compete if you're not. I mean maybe you are if you're a John Cox, but how many times do the, those guys come around, you know, right, with, right, so right. good at shallow water fishing that they just can rely on it all the time. Yeah. Um, yes. And 2021 I fished the central division. I did the rest as a co in the opens as well as marshalled but then i got my i got my you know butt beat bad 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 i had one sixtieth place finish it was the first right. time i was all jacked up i'm a pretty pretty pumped up dude and uh <laughs> 2022 i i really was you know getting pretty good with live scope pretty good with side imaging i'm not as good as some of the guys on the on the opens like but that's when it all sort of started to click. And I think that's when I was like, okay, if I can mix my shallow water, New York style of fishing, because that's what I grew up on. I didn't grow up smallmouth fishing. Yeah. That's not like I grew up on the finger lakes and there's really good smallmouth fishing, but a lot of it was, you know, largemouth fishing. I mean, I had a tiny little tracker. I went around flip docks, grass, um, you know, some offshore stuff, but not much. And I mixed that with my newfound like knowledge and, excitement with electronics and i think having those two um those two skills in the opens is is crucial because as much as everyone thinks that it's all live scope all the time like you got to be able to catch them shallow because sometimes that deep bite is non-existent and you're you need to do well if you want to make the elites if you want to perform at a high level you can't have all your eggs in one basket it just doesn't work like that right right but I think to answer, you know, to those, answer those question, are the keys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
That was yeah. a great progression. Great progression. Well, man, you've had such great success in the Open ZQ qualifiers this past year. Right now, you're sitting in sixth place. Yeah. <laughs> one event to go. One event to go down at Harris Chain. Yeah. Um, man, where you know what's going through your mind? Like where you and and the new schedule just just popped out. Uh, man, I got us. I I'm gonna say it right here. I feel sorry for the guys fishing all nine next year. That travel schedule is brutal. Rough. Brutal. I looked at it. I was like, holy smokes. You know, it'd be nice to top 50 to the Harris chain. And I'm shooting for a top 10 and even a win. But I, I would like to make the elites this year. <laughs> That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. so um, you know, what, what are you looking for down there at Harris chain? What do you, what do you think is going to be kind of – kind of the uh the thought process as you enter this and and if you don't want to talk too much about the fishing what about the mental attitude and and, and that yeah. aspect of, yeah. of what's going to be going on um totally. you know fall in florida especially in october september's rough in florida i mean it's still yeah. freaking summer but yeah. by the time october you guys are going to be fishing this this derby just before the middle of october um probably going to be some cool down but but what are you looking for as an angler to kind of capitalize on to seal the deal for for your 2024 elite series bid um yeah it's a good question i i think truly i think it can be one uh shallow or deep I think shell will play a big factor. Brush will play a big factor. Um, the grass will play a big factor. I think this time of year, if you can get in some really good grass, um, you, you can get right in a hurry uh, yeah. in Florida. And a lot of times it's hard to come by because, you know, the FWC or whoever it is that sprays these lakes. <laughs> right. You think them. you got You think you got a great hundred acres and all of a sudden two days later is brown. <laughs> yeah, it can get, it can get rough. And I've heard they've been doing a lot of spraying to a lot of the lakes. So obviously, you know, we can't get on there for until not this Saturday, but next Saturday. So, so pre-practice is over. You can't practice anymore prior to the tournament. You get, yeah. uh, five days of practice right yep yep four and a half days and so you know i think it's going to be crucial mentally to not try to play it too safe i think a lot of guys are gonna especially the ones in the top 10 that you know i mean there are a couple guys that are sealed right like jt yeah i think um, there's three guys that are sealed yeah pretty much to, i think i think john I think John Garrett, no, so JT is the only one that doesn't have to catch a bass, okay, right? Okay. John Garrett has to catch a bass because okay. he needs to get like 10 points in order okay. to, so like, yeah, they're basically sealed, right? right like, right, right. but, but um, some of the guys like in my position, you got to be careful not to play it too safe and you can get burned doing that. I mean, you can get burned trying to go for the win too, but there's a fine line between, you know, you know playing it safe and like trying to you know go for you know do well. fit, yeah 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 to do well and so i'm going to be cautious of that i'm also i think i'm definitely going to be cautious of locking i think locking can sometimes really hurt you in florida being that there's only you know some boats like to get to apopka you i think it's like a three boat lock yeah. so if 20 guys go and you're the last one there you're in trouble yeah. um and so that's that's on my mind and then i think just there's a lot of hype obviously i just won this past event and like there's been a lot of hype like Bassmaster classic um you know you're sitting really good you just need you know x y or z 
And, you know, my buddies are like, oh, my God, I'm going to come down to Florida. We can party <laughs> once you make the elites. It's like, dude, I got a lot of work to do before I make the elites. Like, this tournament is just as important as the first one. It really is the same. All of them are the exact same. So I'm just going to go into it, stay calm. I'm going to do just like what I did at Ozarks. Ozarks was just as important, if not more important. Yep. Like, they're, sure. they're all – you just got to go. I mean, Ozarks put you in the position you're in right now, essentially. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So ju I just want to go in cool, even, you know, level headed. That's one thing that I've had this year that I haven't had in years past. Like even 2022 at the Red River, I should have caught him there. I mean, it was my it wasn't my fault as a fisherman. It was my fault because I was mentally I, I was not at the level I needed to be at mentally in fishing yep. to, to get it done because I just. I, I was rattled. Had, I was hadn't like, experienced it yet. Yeah. 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 I, I, you know, Ronnie Moore after the Chesapeake was talking about, Oh, he just needs this, this, this. And I, I spun myself out and that's why I, that's why I, you know, didn't do well. So I think this year I've been way better about um, staying mentally sharp, which is key. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, well, we wish you the best of luck down there, man. It's been a it's been a fun time having you right here on Bass Edge Radio. Any final thoughts for the listeners that you would like to share with them before we uh, kind of shut down the interview here? Yeah, no, I think I just want to say that I I truly believe as cutthroat and as as um, intimidating this sport can be, I think there are a lot, a lot, a lot of people out there that can can do can do this like they can fish for a living or at least try give it a shot like yeah. i really was close to not doing it and um you know whether you have to work really hard for you know companies in the industry in order to allow you to do it or you have to you know have a regular nine to five like i think it's very possible don't get discouraged by people that say that you need to be really wealthy or you need all these things i think if you put your mind to it I truly believe this industry, it's going to give you the opportunity to be successful. So yeah. just remember that and don't, don't get discouraged by the hate. That's great. Great tip, man. Great, great thought process. I really like that. I, I will say, I, I, I've said this to a lot of anglers that are on the cusp of, uh, you know, breaking through the opens and getting to the elite series. Um, I, I always talk to them and they think, once they get through the opens, like they can take a deep breath. The work is just beginning. Yeah, <laughs> the man. work is just beginning. It's, so yeah. it's it's a great process. It's fun to watch. I really enjoy you sharing your fishing knowledge with everybody here at Bass Edge Radio, as well as just, you know, your thought process and, and how you break things down and uh, getting to know Kyle Patrick in this episode has been a lot of fun, man. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, Kurt. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, that is Kyle Patrick. We are going to take our last break here. We're going to do a little breakdown of the show. We're going to watch Kyle at Harris Chain before the next episode we're going to talk to it about that next episode but before we get there we're going to break down the events that are coming up y'all stay tuned bass edge radio will be back right after this nitro a rush of tournament adrenaline nitro the choice of champions where performance 
meets play. Nitro, a big water beast, a pure picture machine. Nitro, release the champion within. Nobody wants to run out of power when they're on the water. There is a better way. Introducing the Charge Marine Power Management Station from PowerPole that does the work of three devices, a traditional battery charger, a charge on the run, and an emergency start system. PowerPole Charge. Hey, hey, hey. Here we are. Welcome back. Bass Edge Radio, man. What a great interview with Kyle Patrick. Bassmaster opens EQ angler and recent champion at Lake of the Ozarks. Lots of fun to hear his take, what he's got going on. Let's break down both interviews real quick. Uh, again, we came back with the showcase segment in this episode. We had on Travis Burns, the champion at uh, the Brandon Belt Fishing Show Series Championship down there on Choke Canyon. Man, Travis had a great perspective on on how he had a vision of how this tournament was going to go for him. Thought he was going to catch him deep offshore, you know, early September in Texas. It's still summertime. There isn't a whole lot of fall cool down that time of year, especially this year with temperatures being in the 100s almost all summer long. But, uh, man, the, the deep bite just wasn't working and he kind of touched on a little shallow deal tried to push the deep bite boom he adjusted him and his buddy kenny jacked a big bag high mid 20s uh on that first day of the tournament which really kind of locked it in he they had a decent bag 16 pounds day two then then uh wrapped it up with 12 pounds the last day to win a hundred thousand almost travis said about 120k once all the contingencies were over with but uh man just the ability to Stop what you're doing if it's not working. I mean, that's a huge piece. A lot of a lot of anglers would just keep running that same program or same pattern and come back to the dock and just say, well, it didn't work. And, and he was able, and Kenny were able to make that adjustment, get a big bag, then go on and, and follow through with that adjustment that they made to go ahead and win that tournament. So the tip there, don't be afraid to change. It seems easy. It seems easy. To just change it through a tournament day, but uh, it's not that easy, and you got to change pretty quickly because once you get on the the pattern that is working, you got to have time to catch them. So, uh, big shout out there. That was a that was a great interview with Travis. He also gave us some tips on what he believes is going to be going down uh, in the latter parts of in the in the middle part of October, and then as the the month progresses, shad moving into the backs of the creeks. Uh, likes the downsize. I also think that's a huge key to success this time of year. Downsizing your bait, get more bites. The bait fish are pretty small. Most of the fish that spawned in May and June and early July, that's what these bass are feeding on. So they're small bait fish, downsize. You're going to get a lot more bites once you secure that limit, which can be tough sometimes in the fall. Then you can try to work to upgrade on some of those bigger bass, either working through those that Travis recommended or maybe picking up a big bait, as he suggested as well. So um, great stuff from Travis Burns. Then how about it with Kyle Patrick, man, just kind of breaking down the, the thought process from 
uh, Watts Bar and then entering into Lake of the Ozarks. And I love how he picks. I, I, I don't know that I've ever heard this before on on, you know, dissecting a lake or an area, really, a, you know, a territory of a lake. And he likes to get on a big, shallow, like a flat point where he's going to have some deep water around, shallow water cover around, maybe some brush piles, but that he's going to be able to dissect this flat point area that has all these depth zones within it, shallow to deep, maybe some different variables and cover as well, and really find out what he feels like is the best target for the fish, whether he sees bait or, you know, whether he catches a couple fish, then he can start trying to duplicate that throughout uh, that zone of the lake. So, man, that was a great tip from Kyle Patrick. I would definitely think that uh, we should all put that in our repertoire to uh, break down a lake that we haven't seen so much. And uh, that was Kyle's first time at Lake the Ozarks. He even mentioned, like, man, didn't expect it, had no idea it was even remotely possible the wind would be coming. It just, uh, it worked out that way. And, uh, he is a bass master open champion and a 2024 classic qualifier. So big shout out to, uh, Kyle. Let's talk about a couple of events that are coming up soon. We talked to Kyle, obviously about the, uh, bass master open finale. That's going to be happening on the Harris Chain Lakes. That is October 12th through 14th. So we will be breaking that down here on the next episode of Bass Ed Radio, October 15. And uh, we'll also be talking about who qualified for the Elite Series and all that kind of good stuff. Going on right now, though, Today is the final day of the Toyota Series on Lake of the Ozarks. So once you listen to Bass Edge Radio, go check it out. It'll and now success for each of us anglers, and and we can learn from these so much. And that particular the championship qualifiers there on Table Rock Lake that is going to be going down November 2 through 4 the top 5 anglers from all 5 divisions in that uh, Twist Series plus the wild card division so finally see really I think that's probably one of the last big events of the year it's going to it's going to kind of culminate the 2023 bass fishing. I, I do want to mention, too, right now going on is the Bassmaster Classic College Bracket. They still have a couple of events or, or uh, you know, um, I, I guess brackets to go through to get that championship. So going on right now, the Bassmaster College Classic. Big shout out. Thank you, Travis Byrne. Obviously, a big shout out to Kyle Patrick for being a part of this episode of Bath Said Radio. Everybody out here, be sure to check back with us October 15th for the next episode. Hit that like, hit that subscribe button. Leave a comment as well. Adios, everybody. We're out of here. Bass Edge Radio. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.